Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Well Health Technologies Corp. Second Quarter Fiscal 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. My name is Michelle, and I'll be your operator for today. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. We will conduct a question and answer session later in the call, which will be restricted to analysts only. Please also note this conference is being recorded. I'll now turn the call over to Pardeep Sangha, Vice President, Corporate Strategy and Investor Relations. Mr. Sangha, you may begin. Thank you, Operator, and welcome everyone to Well Health 2021 Fiscal Second Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. Joining me on the call today are Hamid Shabazi, Chairman and CEO, and Eva Fong, the company's CFO. I trust that everyone has received a copy of our financial results press release that was issued earlier today. Listeners are also encouraged to download a copy of our second quarter financial statements and management's discussion and analysis from CDAR.com. Forces of today's call, other than historical performance, include statements of forward-looking information within the meaning of applicable securities laws. These statements are made under the safe harbor provisions of the, those laws. Forward-looking statements are necessarily based upon a number of estimates and assumptions that, while considered reasonable by management, are inherently subject to significant business, economic, and competitive uncertainties and contingencies. These forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, assumptions, and other factors, many of which are outside of Well's control, that may cause actual results, performance, or achievements of Well to differ materially from the anticipated results, performance, or achievements implied by such forward-looking statements. These factors are further outlined in today's press release and in our management discussion and analysis. We provide forward-looking statements solely for the purpose purpose of providing information about management's current expectations and plans relating to the future. We don't undertake or accept any obligation or undertaking to release publicly any updates or revisions to any forward-looking statements to reflect any change in our expectations or any change in events, conditions, assumptions, or circumstances on which any such statements is based, except if it's required by law. We may use terms such as adjusted gross profit, adjusted gross margin, adjusted EBITDA, and shareholder EBITDA on this conference call, which are all non-GAAP and non-IFRS measures. For more information on how we define these terms, please refer to the definition set out in today's press release and in our management discussion analysis. The company believes that adjusted EBITDA is a meaningful financial metric as it measures cash generated from operations which the company can use to fund working capital requirements, service future interests, and principal debt payment repayments, and fund future growth initiatives. Adjusted EBITDA should not be construed as an alternative to net income or loss determined in accordance with IFRS. And with that, let me turn the call over to Mr. Hamid Shabazi, Chairman and CEO of Well Health Technologies Corp. Hamid? Thank you, Party, and good day, everyone. We hope that you're all keeping safe and healthy. We truly appreciate everyone for joining us today. On today's call, I'll first provide some general commentary on the company and the second quarter, followed by our CFO, Eva Fong, who will provide a financial summary of our second quarter 2021 results. I'll then come back and comment on the recently completed acquisition of MyHealth, 
and provide an outlook for the third quarter. We will then conclude the call with a question and answer session. Before we discuss the second quarter results, I'd first like to zoom out and provide a brief high-level overview on WELL. I think this will be helpful for existing shareholders and will also be helpful for new listeners, uh, investors, or just prospects that are evaluating WELL. While WELL has grown a lot and been very active, it has never strayed from its mission and vision, and that is what is so compelling about the company. Our overarching mission has always been to empower healthcare practitioners. You will see we believe that health innovations, digital health in particular, help practitioners become better care providers. It helps them be more efficient, provide better care, and deliver more value. The whole idea of WELL is, is that we are participating in this new economy, one of the largest services sectors in any economy. This is why WELL has built a comprehensive practitioner enablement platform. This platform and its tools, software, products, and services is compelling and is rapidly making WELL a one-stop shop to help support and advance healthcare practitioners, their medical clinics, and of course, their patients. The platform includes, but is not limited to, practice management and EMR platforms, telehealth, and an extensive array of digital patient engagement features, such as you know, online booking and waiting room automation, self-service mobile check-in, you know, robust billing and revenue cycle management solutions, all kinds of digital health apps and data protection solutions. Well then unlocks value from its platform via two revenue streams. One, a substantial omni-channel patient services offering powered by its own practitioners, and two, a virtual SaaS technology services and product offering where that, that is offered to practitioners outside of our walls, outside of our businesses. We now power thousands of healthcare practitioners and clinicians both inside and outside of our business. The central idea behind WELL is that practitioners care for patients, not companies. We have created a best-in-class platform that powers those practitioners. If you believe that healthcare practitioners are going to be advanced by technology and these new productivity tools, why wouldn't you want to be a provider of those tools and a provider of those services that leverages those tools? Our strategy is working. Take CRH, for example, which had a fantastic quarter. It has over 800 healthcare practitioners providing care, but it also sells a best-in-class medical device to thousands of GI practitioners. So it strikes at the heart of both revenue streams. And now let's get into the second quarter. Second quarter 2021 was an outstanding quarter for the company in which we achieved record quarterly revenue and adjusted gross profit, with revenue increasing 484% year-over-year year, and adjusted gross profit increasing 615% year-over-year. This growth was driven by the acquisition of CRH Medical in the second quarter, as well as continued and strong growth of the company's virtual services revenue, which advanced by 432%. Our virtual services revenue includes revenues derived from our practitioner-enablement platform, to practitioners and clinicians outside of WELL, as well as any patient services businesses that have little to no bricks or, 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 or physical uh, locations. For example, even though Circle Medical owns and operates two clinics, the vast majority of its business is derived by its iOS and Android consumer apps and telehealth offerings. This also includes our other telehealth offers, such as Tia Health and Virtual Clinic Plus, as they have no bricks exposure 
and our data protection revenues. It also bears mention that we continue to see strong performance from Wells omnichannel primary care clinics who have experienced substantial EBITDA growth in the last year. In addition, Q2 was the third quarter in a row that we reported positive adjusted EBITDA. Well reported adjusted EBITDA of 11.9 million, a significant improvement from last year where the company reported adjusted EBITDA of uh, loss of 0.5 million. Our M&A program continues to successfully execute and follows a disciplined capital allocation strategy. In addition to the CRH acquisition, we also completed the following transactions in the second quarter. One, the acquisition, the 100% acquisition of IntraHealth Systems, an enterprise class EMR provider operating in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. With the IntraHealth acquisition, our EMR network in Canada expands to approximately 2,800 clinics, serving over 15,000 physicians across the country. This excludes IntraHealth enterprise customers. Two, the 100% acquisition of ExecHealth, a primary uh, care and executive health services group in Ottawa uh, region. Three, the 51% majority stake acquisition of Doctor Services Group, our first tuck-in acquisition for Doctor Care, our billing and back office and revenue cycle management billing unit, business unit. And four, CRH Medical completed its first three acquisitions as a well business unit, with the 85% majority stake acquisition of New England Anesthesia Associates, a 51% stake in Northern Indiana Anesthesia Associates, and a 51% stake in an add-on practice in Bradenton, Florida, which will be part of the CRH affiliate FDHS Anesthesia LLC group. I will now provide an update on our acquisition of CRH Medical. During Q2, on April 22nd, 2021, we completed the acquisition of CRH. CRH is a consequential transaction for Well, as it significantly boosts our free cash flow, which would be used to make additional cash flow generating acquisitions, and this acquisition represents a significant tech enablement and digitization opportunity for Well. Furthermore, CRH provides Well with access to the healthcare system with a rapidly growing asset. Since closing the acquisition, we're experiencing strong results from CRH, driven by an increase in patient cases and a steady per case economic model. During Q2, CRH contributed revenue of $36.7 million despite the foreign exchange headwinds in the quarter. And remember, we didn't even have a full quarter of CRH. We, we closed the acquisition on April 22nd, so we, just had, we had just over two months' contributions from them. CRH had a record performance in the quarter and achieved revenue of approximately $39.3 million U.S. for the quarter, which represents 190% year-over-year growth compared to Q2 2020 when CRH's revenues were negatively impacted by the COVID pandemic. CRH also completed a record of over 120,000 anesthesia cases and sold a, uh, a record of almost 2,300 O'Regan units in the second quarter, firing on all cylinders. As I mentioned before, CRH provides two services to the GI marketplace, and it has developed a trusted advisor membership with thousands of GIs. Well's goal is to unlock the value of this channel of over 3,000 GI doctor relationships with new revenue and business opportunities. CRH's management team has been executing and delivering on the core business while thoughtfully expanding that product set to more products, leveraging Well's deep digital patient engagement and cybersecurity offerings. 
We're already in discussions to onboard our first cybersecurity customer, for example, in the CRH channel. But really, more importantly, CRH's core business is performing beautifully with strong caseloads and stable per unit economics. We're very pleased with their performance, and for all intents and purposes, they are ahead of our investment case for the acquisition for the full year. Also, now that we've had a chance to really dig into the CRH business and are excited about the added efficiencies we gain as a result of updating the, we have, we have determined that further tech enabling the revenue cycle management uh, tools and platform of the business could yield substantial benefits. This is something that we'll keep shareholders in the loop on, but we're optimistic that there will be real savings here that will add you know, further bottom line impact positive bottom line impact that was not part of our investment thesis. I will now review our overall patient visits this quarter. I'm pleased to report that we exceeded 2.2 million total omnichannel patient visits on an annualized run rate basis in the second quarter. Total omnichannel patient visits in Q2 2021 were 559,000, representing a year-over-year -year increase of 173% from 204,000 in the previous year's quarter. On a quarter-over-quarter -quarter basis, total omnichannel patient visits increased 17% compared to 477,000 in Q1. In-person pa patient visits at our clinics and businesses made up 43% of the total visits and accounted for 241,000 patient visits in Q2, representing a year-over-year -year increase of 228% compared to 73,500 in-person patient visits in Q2. On a quarter-over-quarter -quarter basis, in-person visits increased 69% compared to 142,900 in-person patient visits in Q1. This quarterly increase was primarily due to the addition of over 92,000 CRH cases in Q2. Telehealth patient visits, which include both phone visits and virtual care patient visits, made up 57% of the total visits and accounted for 317,000 patient visits in Q2 representing a 142% increase from 131,000 telehealth visits last year. On a quarter-over-quarter -quarter basis, telehealth visits experienced a slight decline of 5% compared to 334,000 telehealth visits, primarily due to our allied care businesses, uh, such as AdraCare, who experienced a shift from telehealth to in-person visits with the lifting of COVID restrictions, as allied care tends to be better served through in-person care. Given the way AdraCare charges for these visits, there was virtually uh, no or very little negligible impact on revenue. If we remove the negative impact of AdraCare and the addition of CRH patient visits, overall patient visits still increased by about 10% on a sequential quarter-over-quarter -quarter basis, showing, showing strong resilience in the business. Our U.S. telehealth efforts with Circle Medical are also gathering steam. Circle Medical saw 214% growth in revenue and 238% growth in appointments as compared to the previous year. While many other telehealth businesses are cooling off, we're seeing Circle Medical gain momentum. 88% of Circle Medical's revenues are attributable to their telehealth program. We see them scaling through to the end of the year. Based on our knowledge, we are, you know, back to Canada, based on our knowledge, we are the market leader in omnichannel patient services in Canada today. And we, we look to build on that lead purposefully and ambitiously over the next year. We do not know of any other provider in Canada that has anywhere close to the capacity 
of delivering both physical and person and telehealth patient services to the same degree as we can. And now with my health in the family, our patient care scope includes a substantial specialized care and diagnostic offering. There's, some, there's simply nothing that comes close to well now in the Canadian healthcare ecosystem, given the combination of outpatient clinic infrastructure, telehealth, EMR assets, and sheer patient visits. I'll go into greater detail on the recently completed My Health acquisition later in this call today, but first, I'd like to turn the call over to our CFO, Eva Fong, who will review the financials for the second quarter. Eva. Thank you, Hamid. I'm pleased to report that we had a very strong Q2 and quarterly results for the three months ended June 30th, 2021. Our second quarter results for the three months ended June 30th, 2021 are as follows. Well-achieved record quarterly revenue of $61.8 million during Q2 2021 compared to revenue of $10.6 million generated during Q2 2020, an increase of 484%, driven mainly by the CLH acquisition, which accounted for revenue of $36.7 million during the quarter. Well-achieved virtual services revenues of $12.5 million in Q2 2021 representing 432% year-over-year growth as compared to 2.3 million in Q2 2020. During Q2 2021, well-achieved record adjusted gross profit of 30.2 million, representing 615% year-over-year growth as compared to adjusted gross profit of 4.2 million in Q2 2020. Well-achieved adjusted gross margin of 48.9% during Q2 2021 as compared to adjusted gross margin of 40% in Q2 2020. Net loss was 14.1 million, or a loss of 8 cents per share for the three months ended June 30th, 2021, compared to the net loss of 3.4 million, or a loss of 3 cents per share for the three months ended June 30th, 2020. Adjusted EBITDA was 11.9 million for Q2 2021, compared to adjusted EBITDA loss of half a million for Q2 2020. Adjusted EBITDA was positively impacted by the addition of CLH during the quarter. Now on our balance sheet. Well ended Q2 with a very strong balance sheet. The company had cash and cash equivalents of 70.6 million as at June 30th, 2021, compared to 86.9 million as at December 31st, 2020. During the quarter, Wells CLH subsidiary has entered into an amended senior credit arrangement with a syndicate of lenders led by JP Morgan for an aggregate amount of US $300 million. As of June 30, 2021, the company had drawn down Canadian $182 million under this facility, primarily for the purposes of funding the CLH acquisition. Subsequent to the end of the quarter, Wells My Health subsidiary acquired a senior credit facility provided by a syndicate of banks led by the Royal Bank of Canada for an amount of up to $200 million. Currently, the total drawn amount under both the CLH and MyHealth credit facilities is approximately $270 million. Well continues to have approximately $300 million of undrawn credit facilities available to fund future acquisition and their working capital requirements in addition to the cash on its balance sheet. I'm also very pleased to report that the company is complying with all covenants related to both the CLH and My Health credit facilities. As of the end of the second quarter on June 30, 2021, Well had $211 million 
702,586 fully diluted securities issued and outstanding. More recently, as of August 11, 2021, WOW had 220,1922 fully diluted securities issued and outstanding. That is my financial update, and I turn the call back over to Hamid. Thank you, Eva. So let's take a, a closer look at our recent MyHealth acquisition. On July 15th, the company completed its acquisition of MyHealth, a leading primary care, specialized care, telehealth services, and accredited diagnostic health services provider that owns and operates 48 locations across Ontario. With this foundational acquisition, Wells is now the largest owner-operator of outpatient medical clinics in Canada with 74 combined clinics. Approximately 75% of MyHealth's medical consultations are currently conducted via telehealth which when combined with Well's multiple telehealth businesses now make Well the leading multidisciplinary telehealth service provider in Canada. MyHealth is a unique and substantial asset in the healthcare ecosystem, and most analysts thought that it could have likely IPO'd with a substantial value in excess of three to $400 million, given its revenue and EBITDA scale and strong organic growth. We're very proud of the way we structured this transaction. We did not use $1 from Treasury, the acquisition upfront price of $206 million was funded in three parts. One, a $30 million vendor take-back note that is payable in cash or the five-day VWAP at three, six, and nine-month increments at $10 million each. Two, we paid $82 million in cash by leveraging MyHealth itself only as collateral with the $200 million led line led by Royal Bank and included an extremely strong syndicate comprised of BMO, HSBC, TD Bank, ICICI Bank, and Laurentian Bank. And three, we paid 8.34 million shares to satisfy the $94 million remaining price tag. At first, we priced the shares at 980 to satisfy this balance. However, the number of shares was subject to an adjustment that was reflective of the price action between signing and close. And because our stock performed well after close, we ended up pricing the shares uh, at $11.30 to satisfy this balance. So why do we like MyHealth? MyHealth represents a substantial acquisition for the company for the following reasons. It significantly boosts Wells free cash flow, which would be used to make additional cash flow generating acquisitions. Two, it accelerates Wells revenue and EBITDA growth profile. MyHealth is expected to generate performer revenues of approximately $100 million and with EBITDA margins of approximately 20%. It establishes a strong presence for Well in Ontario with 48 additional healthcare clinic locations and it strengthens our telehealth presence with approximately 75% of MyHealth medical consultations currently being conducted via telehealth, which when combined with Well's multiple businesses, make Well, as I mentioned earlier, a real leader in this space. Four, it expands Well's expertise into providing complementary diagnostic services and specialty services. For the 12 months ended March 31, 2021, MyHealth recorded over 500,000 patient visits, including primary, specialized, telehealth, and diagnostic visits. Our plans are to aggressively expand MyHealth under the leadership of Suresh Madan. We'd like to see MyHealth continue to do what it has been doing, but of course we would like to contribute to their success with greater tech collaboration and regional expansion. The network effects between Wells Primary Care Group and MyHealth are substantial. 
Our outlook looks strong for the remainder of the year. I'd like to comment on that quickly, and then we will move to the, uh, the question and answer period. Our view remains very positive across all our business units for the entire company as a whole. With the acquisitions of CRH and MyHealth, the company's financial and operating profile makes it a clear leader in the Canadian healthcare market and a strong emerging player in the U.S. healthcare market. The company estimates it is currently on an annualized revenue run rate of almost $400 million and approaching $100 million in operating adjusted EBITDA. We're still on track to achieve our goals for 2021, which are to, one, build out and refine our practitioner enablement platform and deploy services of that platform both internally to well healthcare practitioners as well as offer those services to healthcare practitioners outside of well. Two, achieve organic growth across all of our operating units. Three, follow a disciplined acquisition and capital allocation strategy. Four, grow adjusted EBITDA through the year. Five, increase operating cash flows through optimization of our operations, digitizing clinical assets, and with the addition of new cash flow generating acquisitions. And six, increase market share of our digital health-related products and virtual care programs. Well is expecting its substantial revenue and EBITDA growth experienced in Q2 will continue into Q3 as a result of a full quarter of CRH contribution, as well as the contribution of two and a half, sorry, 2.75 months of, of my health, given that the acquisition closed on July 15th. With 2.5 months of my health instead of 2.75. With the acquisitions of CRH and MyHealth and the momentum created by the rest of the business, the company's financial and operating profile makes it a clear leader in the Canadian healthcare market. Well continues to have an active pipeline of acquisition opportunities of both clinical and digital assets. We operate as a decentralized organization with each business unit having a fair amount of autonomy. As we've mentioned before, Well looks to attract acquisitions with strong operators, to run these businesses and generate profits, which then would be thoughtfully allocated against new, new growth opportunities. The company now has three engines of M&A growth with corporate development teams at CRH, MyHealth, and Wells' own corporate team, thereby effectively scaling the company's inorganic growth potential. As a result of that, Well currently has 15 signed letters of intent across the organization. We believe the successful execution of these signed LOIs has the potential to catapult the company to approximately half a billion in annual revenue run rate. Given the strong scale, Well continues to seriously evaluate the prospects and feasibility of a U.S. IPO in the next few months. That is why we hired Jamil Nathu, who left his managing director post at Goldman Sachs and joined us. Given our leadership in the healthcare IT market, where we are the largest publicly traded comp, it only makes sense that we start to seriously evaluate new listing opportunities. When you look at Wells Quantum and now Post My Health, we are, we are now as big or bigger than some of the most notable names in the U.S. healthcare IT comp set with much greater profitability. We are a unique company with a unique mission and believe it would be highly beneficial for us to have more exposure to the U.S. capital markets. Finally, I want to talk a little bit about a recent initiative that I'm personally very excited about, namely the launch of Well Ventures. A couple of weeks ago, we announced the formation of Well Ventures, a wholly owned subsidiary of Well, whose mandate, whose mandate it is to invest in exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses supporting the global digital healthcare ecosystem with an, 
with an emphasis on advancing innovative digital health initiatives in Canada. Well has already established a track record of making successful venture-style investments in early-stage digital health companies, such as Circle Medical and Insig prior to the control transactions uh, and the follow-ons received from Well. We specifically seek to invest in companies that are genuinely committed to leveraging technology to improve healthcare outcomes and can directly benefit from Well's ecosystem, size, scale, and of course, our practitioner enablement platform. The Well Ventures portfolio of companies currently consists of strategic investments in a number of emerging health companies such as Felix AI, Pillway, Twig Fertility, and most recently, Bright. Furthermore, Well has assembled a unique and diverse advisory board whose objective it is to nurture and, and help advise those companies on their journey of growth. Well Ventures is an example of our commitment to invest in and advance the digitization and modernization of healthcare in Canada and around the globe. In closing, I want to thank you all for joining us on this call today and thank our shareholders and investors for their continued support. The capital markets have been very supportive of our vision and have provided us the funding needed to pursue our goals. I'd also like to thank Well's senior management team and all our employees and contractors for their tremendous effort, and especially during the current COVID pandemic. In particular, I'd like to thank our team of doctors, and frontline healthcare workers who continue to keep our clinics open and provide unbelievable care throughout the past year. They are an outstanding group and remind us every day why we are here to enable and empower healthcare practitioners. We want to support them so they can support patients. With that, we're now open to questions. Operator, please, please proceed. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the star followed by the two. And if you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Your first question comes from Rob Goff, Echelon Wealth Partners. Please go ahead. Thank you very much for taking my question, and uh, congratulations on your outperformance in the quarter. Um, my, Thank you, Rob. Um, right, most welcome. My question would be on Circle. I, I, I tend to put perhaps too much emphasis on Circle, but could you talk to the organic growth prospects you see for Circle the potential for inorganic growth, i.e. acquisitions to accelerate that growth, and or the potential for an affiliate model uh, within Circle? Sure, Rob, thanks, thanks for the question. You're, you're right uh, to, be, to be, you know, 
inquiring about Circle because they've just had phenomenal performance. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the as I mentioned in my script, they they had phenomenal year-over-year -year growth. Um, they've essentially you know doubled since we since we since they came into the family. Uh, and, and, and our announcement back on September, I think it was first last year. Um, you know, the growth rate in revenue year over year was 214%. The growth rate in appointments was 238%. Um, you know, what we find that they're doing very well is really mapping out the scaling and growth process. Um, I recently visited with them uh, in the Bay Area, one of my first trips since, uh, you know, uh, Trudeau's uh, allowing us to get outside of the country without a quarantine. And, uh, and, and it was lovely because I really got a chance to understand in, in greater detail uh, with, with, a, with a longer visit with the team that, that they are really uh, preparing the company for much more um, scaled organic growth. And I think that's really when, when we sort of look at the company and we look at all the different growth levers like inorganic and affiliate program and this and that, you know, frankly, what we're seeing with them is is their ability to scale the addition of practitioners is unlike anything that we're seeing not only in our in the rest of the company but also with all the other assets that we're out there diligencing. Um, they have mapped out every step in the practitioner recruitment process and are tech enabling that. That's what you get with a with a Bay Area team. You know, you know, super focus on on structure and scaling. They know exactly what they're doing. They hired a, a very strong uh, person that actually came over from Google uh, who was an expert uh, in, in, in the AdWords program, even at Google. So this person was a, was a subject matter expert within the Google family. They've, they've now come over and helping them scale their acquisition. So you've got, you got scaling uh, in, improvements occurring on the acquisition side, as well as the um, as, as well as the recruitment side on the practitioners uh, 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 side of the equation. So, if you if you think of telehealth, it's it's really a two-sided marketplace, and they're ramping both sides of those up. And so, um, you know, we 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 really like the run rate there, and uh, we're going to just continue to to encourage them to to scale, and we want to get behind their growth. And uh, as I mentioned in my script, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to it's going to grow. I, I, I believe we're now north of 20 million in terms of our latest run rate um, in CAD. Um, so uh, so that just gives you an idea of, of just just how quickly this this asset is growing for us. Awesome. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from David Kwan, TD Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning. Hamid, I was hey. wondering if you could get <laughs> um, hey. down the quarter. It's nice to see you guys uh, come in ahead of expectations. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about CRH. Um, obviously, big impact on the quarter. Looks like um, a very nice uh, performance there. Came ahead of my expectations, at least on the revenue standpoint. Um, but just trying to figure out how to model it going forward, say over the next year, or maybe just looking at uh, you know, 2022, um, you know, trying to figure out how seasonality plays into this business, um, and if there's kind of any nuances that uh, we should be aware of. You know, hopefully, you know, 2022 gets closer to kind of pre-pandemic conditions. Yeah, thanks, David. Um, 
so you're right. Jerry was uh, was a great performer for us, and 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 we're very bullish about its its continued prospects and outlook, uh, not only for the balance of the year, but but for the years uh, ensuing. Um, I think as far as the the modeling of the business, you know, obviously you have the number of cases or procedures uh, that that the that the business you know, drives. And, and we talked a little bit in our script about how there was um, a, a very strong caseload in, in, in the quarter, but, but obviously the per unit economics and the case rates is obviously very key with the business as well. And <clears throat> there is a little bit of seasonality to uh, what those case rates can be, but when we compare where they're at and, and, uh, you know, again, this was a, a, a big topic in our, in our due diligence of the company, Given the historical case rate performance, what we found is that it had hit sort of a, a low water mark, notwithstanding its continued very strong EBITDA profile, and and it's basically doing exactly what we what we hoped and thought it would do, which is remain steady and with 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 some potential for it to actually curl up now. And so I think, given the stability of the case rate, um, you know, and 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 the scaling number of cases and the sort of three to five percent organic growth that we're seeing in the cases themselves. No one talks about that, but on a quantum that, that we have, that, that's material, right? Um, I think, I think this, is a, this is a substantial business that's going to drive, you know, really, really strong EBITDA for us. And then you start looking at, you know, some of the cross-fertilization initiatives that we're employing, uh, which obviously will take some time, but, you know, they're just going to add more tops into the business. And, and of course, any kind of efficiencies. We talk a little bit about the, the, the revenue cycle management um, tech enablement initiative uh, that management's working on. You know, that could, that could drive millions to the bottom line, uh, potentially. So again, um, you know, th- those are, that's how we think about the business. It's sort of, you know, ahead of Im- investment case right now, which, you know, um, rarely happens, as you know, especially with these big deals. But it is happening, and uh, we feel very good about it. I guess to clarify, Honda, too, because obviously last year things got really, you know, skewed as it related to obviously Q2, Q2, you saw the big drop and then Q3 and Q4 maybe higher than what they normally would be just as they they played some catch up there as people returned to doing some of these elective procedures. So, like, if we look at CRH, maybe like what they did in maybe 2019 or 2018, is that like a decent... Um, kind of barometer or yardstick that we can use in terms of at least forecasting, you know, quarter to quarter trends. I think so. Yeah. I, again, I, I think as long as you're as long as you're able to discern that that in those periods you did have declining per unit economics, which m- I might add was 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 intentionally willed by management. I mean, management decided that they wanted to deliver, you know, a more stable case rate uh, for the, the capital markets. And so they kind of t- employed a strategy of, you know, um, you know, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain. So they, they moved out of network uh, into a lot more in-network relationships. And now they're, you know, vast majority of their businesses is in network and contracted um, with a small amount that's sort of strategically, um, you know, out of network. And so I think if, if, you're, if you're sort of conscious of, of how the, per- the declining period of economics sort of hurt the company before, but now that that is addressed, um, you know, and is, and is again highly resilient due to the contracted rates, uh, you know, I, th- I think you can really model this properly, um, and we can spend some time with you to also talk through how the seasonality uh, can affect case rates 
but but essentially the the case rates are are more sort of at, at their at their seasonal lows in the first half of the year. So we actually expect case rates to improve uh, throughout the year a little bit. Um, so hopefully that's helpful for you. No, that's helpful. And maybe one just quick last question on on, on the margin side. You talked about I guess stable per unit economics. Um, so were the kind of the margins similar to what uh, we had seen when when they were a public company? Um, yeah, I think I think they're probably now um, you know a tad a tad better. I think the low water mark was just under three hundred bucks per case, and I think they're now they've now advanced that a little bit and, and are hovering right around three hundred. Um, and don't forget the case rates will probably improve throughout the year. So I, I think you know I, I think they're really really well positioned, especially with the organic growth in case loads, and then of course they're they're you know, remarkably strong capital allocation program that, that just keeps adding, you know, um, caseloads uh, by the bucket. Also, don't forget that the surprise billing legislation is, is kicking in, which which should help the company um, better monetize its out-of-network. I mean, out-of-network small, but still, I think it's, it's one of those things that's a bit of an X factor, um, I would say, to the positive over the next year or two. Great. Thanks, Olivia, there. Your next question comes from Adam Buckham, Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. Um, so kind of a follow-up to David's. Um, you know, when you think about the overall gross margin on a forward basis, particularly thinking about Q3 and the addition of my health, you know, CRH, obviously a bit accretive from an adjusted margin standpoint, and then I think it was highlighted that my health is about a 50% plus sort of gross margin business. So kind of, if you, if you take that together, you know, it kind of implies that there's room for additional improvement here. Is that the right way to be thinking about it? I think so. I, I don't think we're going to see too much uh, movement in the consolidated gross margins just because of the, the current quantum of the business, even though my health is substantial, I think it's fairly close to our consolidated gross margins today. Um, there may be a little bit of movement, but I think, you know, obviously, listen, we've seen tremendous expansion in that figure. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll just uh, ask Eva if there's anything else she'd like to add to that. Uh, not, not much to add, so I think you summarize it all. Thanks, Eva. Okay, uh, great. So I'll just fit an additional question here. Um, you know, thinking about the regulatory landscape in Canada, particularly, um, you know, sort of on the B2C side within, um, you know, virtual care, I, I think, you know, Quebec was one of the provinces that kind of highlighted the, you know, increased costs associated with, um, you know, patients essentially, you know, going through a, a virtual care channel and then also into, you know, the hospital channel as well. Um, you know, I'm just wondering from a, from a top-level standpoint, you know, obviously your B2B side is fairly strong. You know, thinking about B2C, is it, do you think there's any sort of risk on that standpoint from a regulatory standpoint? You know, uh, you know, th th there's been a lot of discussion around whether or not these telehealth codes stick around. You know, obviously uh, Ontario, as you may, might have heard, just, uh, just renewed them for, for a period of time. I think, um, you know, I, I think you talk to most people, they'll tell you that telehealth's here to stay. The, the codes are here to stay. They will... They, they may be modulated to some extent to to uh, to kind of incline towards more of a longitudinal care model, meaning that you know telehealth providers will need to 
uh, ensure that they have team-based care and the ability to, uh, to have practitioners support patients, not just on an episodical basis. I think some of the funding could, could, could be reduced for that episodical side of things. But again, no sign of that changing uh, soon. But you know, in our view, that's what could happen in the future as things sort of settle down from the pandemic. Um, I will say, to the extent there are any changes, we are incredibly well positioned to, to weather them because of our strong, uh, you know, outpatient clinic network. I mean, take my health for example. You know, um, you know, 75% of of their visits for medical consultations specifically are occurring through telehealth, and and roughly 50% of all of our primary care, you know, in the in sort of the classic well clinics. If if there was a situation where where some of those fillings would not be able to happen, those practitioners just go back to those clinics and they don't miss a beat. Um, whereas some of the other folks out there who lack that omnichannel presence and that, and that strong physical infrastructure that we have, I think would be in, in a much uh, more difficult scenario um, to, to, to weather that storm. So I, I, I think Well is extremely you know, strongly positioned to, uh, to continue to advance its patient services business, irrespective of what happens. With, uh, with regulatory. That's great color and a very good point. Um, thanks for the questions and congrats on the quarter. Thanks, Adam. Welcome on board as our uh, 12th analyst. We're excited to have you on board. Your next question comes from Christian Skrull of 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Hey, Hotman, good morning. And thanks for taking my question. I wanted to start on the tech, uh, the tech enablement opportunity at CRH um, around the revenue cycle management there. Um, it sounds interesting. It sounds like it's still in the works, uh, but could you provide some color around the opportunity there? And am I right in thinking that it's a cost savings opportunity? Yes, that's correct. Well, as you're, as you're likely aware, the U.S., um, you know, the U.S. ecosystem is a lot different than, than the Canadian one. And so um, merely collecting and managing all those receipts is, is, is you know, highly non-trivial and very, very complicated. And if, if it wasn't, the company would just be doing it itself. But it has um, traditionally outsourced that, like many companies do, um, you know, a lot, many care providers do in the United States. Uh, its current care provider, you know, uh, does a lot of work, but also charges, you know, quite a bit as well. And uh, what we see in, 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 in uh, work, you know, management has been, you know, really great in terms of their focus uh, and, and uh, um, you know, in targeting this cost. Uh, the, there's potential to reduce it substantially by working with a more tech-enabled partner um, who, who, again, could shave off, you know, uh, quite a few basis points off, off what we're currently paying. So um, that can real that can turn into real money. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned in my script, it, it could be in the millions. And again, it, it's probably too early for us to provide, you know, specific outlook against that. But I know it's one of the um, you, know, you know biggest areas of focus internally uh, in terms of operational excellence with the company. And of course, it fits right in with the whole the whole idea of well, which is you know um, you know we see, we saw this with with the Canadian you know clinics. Uh, we were able to grow the top line, but we've been able to more than double, I think close to triple the, the, the EBITDA of those clinics 
by, by, by focusing on all aspects of the business from, you know, uh, you know, from, from, from driving new revenue and mix, but, but more importantly, how we manage the business and uh, adding software and workflow. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we're going to be tracking really closely and we hope we have uh, more good news for you uh, on that in the next uh, quarter or two. That's helpful. We'll, we'll stay tuned for updates there. The, um, Another area I wanted to ask on is IntraHealth. Uh, IntraHealth provided a nice lift to the number of EMR networks, uh, or sorry, EMR network clinics rather, uh, under the well umbrella. I just wanted to ask uh, if there's an update you'd provide, um, how you're doing integrating that asset, and if you're seeing you know, any synergies or, or cross-sell opportunities. I know it was more of a global asset, um, but curious to hear how that one's coming along. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing that I would tell you is we're not looking to integrate that with Oscar or merge that or combine that with Oscar in any, in, in any way. I think we, we were very um, clear in our, in our communication around the fact that we really see ourselves as being a portfolio of, of EMR providers so that well EMR group obviously consolidated quite a few of those Oscar service providers and has really taken, you know, uh, a leadership position with Oscar and actually taken on, um, some of the leadership duties from McMaster and the partnership with McMaster, uh, but but IntraHealth um, is going to be is, is an enterprise class EMR that's a bit different, and we think that it that that it addresses different market needs than than Oscar, and especially given the fact that it that it has a, a very strong presence in Australia and New Zealand, and and so our our focus is to continue to uh, uh, you know operate that and and make sure that it can be the best that it can be. Um, the thing that I will add is that obviously we have, you know, built out apps.health, which is, you know, uh, an internal innovation at well, um, building the country's first and only app marketplace for integrated EMR apps. We, we, we I think, had a, a very important um, few months there where we announced that we had now updated apps.health uh, to the FHIR standard. This is the same standard that uh, Apple and, and really the, 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 the largest mega platforms in the world are embracing for healthcare interoperability. And, and that's how we were able to launch uh, App, Apple Health Records. We're the first, and to my understanding, only EMR in Canada, a major EMR anyway, that has been able to activate that. And, uh, and, and that is because we, we, we were able to update that framework to to the fire standard and what's neat about that is if you're an app developer now uh you know our, our whole the whole objective behind well is that you'll be able to publish once uh that app and then and then have it sort of propagate uh and be able to uh, you know activate against well's portfolio of emrs because they will all adopt the same fire standard so so we don't need to have uh, merging of EMRs for, for for the benefit of the app store and all the innovation that work that we're doing around that. So I think, you know, a takeaway from this conversation should be, well, we'll likely look at other EMRs, um, potentially even outside of the country, and really continue to uh, invest in the FHIR standard and uh, this concept of, of, of empowering and driving digital health apps that work with the FHIR standard and interoperate against uh, our EMR assets. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, that's very helpful. Uh, thanks for the update on the, the standardization and, and the apps marketplace there. Uh, thanks for taking my question. I'll pass the line. Thanks, Christian.
Your next question comes from Daniel Rosenberg of Paradigm. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh, I had a follow-up around your strategic priority. Uh, the first one you mentioned was product enablement. I was just wondering, you know, where are we in that cycle? Are you looking to uh, bundle product uh, in terms of before you're going out to market within the physician footprint that you built through the MR practice uh, to cross-sell into that base? Um, or is it just individual products that you've assembled um, that you're already targeting uh, with cross-selling initiatives? Kind of how far are we in that process? Great question, Daniel. I think there's a lot of potential here for us. You know, yes, you're right. There are a lot, a lot of different components to the platform, and, and, and a number of them are, are decentralized in nature. But increasingly, we're building connective tissue to bring them together. A great example is apps.health of course, and, and, and all the different apps and investments that are now being plugged into the EMR. And even if you look at, you know, uh, the Revenue Cycle Management Group, we've created an app, for a, a doctor care app, essentially, that, that operates there. We, we've created, obviously, that Apple Records app. So, again, that's a bit of a, a centralized area in, in, how, in how we're bringing that together from a technology platform perspective. But let me also say this. Let's, let's sort of zoom out and look at the company at 80,000 feet. We are a practitioner enablement platform. We're here to make practitioners more successful. So increasingly, we're going to give you guys as a street and investors a lot more data around the number of practitioners we power both inside our patient services businesses and outside of our patient services businesses. And we want to do more to improve the, the practitioner journey. So there's so much that we offer now. We want uh, to be able to allow practitioners to, um, you know, to, 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 you know, fill out an intelligent questionnaire and, and, and understand the, you know, the areas where we can help them and then guide them through all the different areas of the business and be able to demonstrate that wealth platform can kind of coalesce and help them be more successful. So uh, that, the, there are all already initiatives, you know, around the company that are working on, on, on experiences like that. And, uh, and, and, and we're very excited about that because I think that's what starts to really demonstrate to practitioners that, that you know, well becomes their, their sort of one-stop shop, if you will, uh, for all these different opportunities, you know, data protection, uh, revenue cycle management, you know, telehealth, digital patient engagement. There's just a lot that we can do to help. Thanks for that. And just one last one before I pass the line. Uh, on the success of Circle Medical in uh, you know, their digital initiatives, I was wondering if um, the appointments, the, the telehealth and virtual health appointments, are they all within their footprints or are you starting to reach into that broader section across uh, the U.S. that uh, the company does quasi-cover uh, with uh, their agreements with insurance providers? You know, Daniel, the, the, the focus, uh, you know, while they, they have these broad agreements with the payers across the country, their focus continues to be their strongest states right now. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of the growth that I think we're going to see is, is them tapping into other markets. Uh, you know, that's what's so compelling about their story right now. They're not, they're not even, you know, a, 50, a broad 50-state story yet, and they can be. And that's just a – there's no regulatory limitation except for ensuring that you have the right practitioner. If, if, if you want to light up in Illinois, you just need to make sure that you have a practitioner that is properly credentialed in Illinois. But their, their pair relationships extend into Illinois, 
Um, their apps uh, reach extends into Illinois. Um, and I'm just picking Illinois out of, out of the air. I don't think it's a big state for them, but th- that's the point is that there's so much potential here. They're really, um, they're, they've essentially been able to, to grow this business with the kind of impressive percentage increases that we've seen solely in, you know, really a, a very small handful of states. So, um, so again, as, as, they, as they scale that two-sided marketplace, there's just a lot that can happen. And, and this business can really surprise on the upside. Great, thanks for that. You're welcome, thank you for the questions. Your next question comes from Scott Fletcher, CIBC. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my question. Um, just a couple of clarifications for me on the CRH data. Obviously, it was contributed to a, a strong amount in the quarter. Um, you mentioned the organic growth was 3 to 5% on the case level. Um, do you think that any of that was maybe pent up demand given, you know, COVID relaxation of COVID restrictions? And, or do you think that that 3% is maybe something we could look at going forward? Uh, thanks for the question, Scott. I remember that we, uh, when we were doing due diligence, we were seeing similar organic growth profiles. So I don't think it's anomalous for them to see this type of growth, but I do know that they're, uh, but, but, you know, endoscopic procedures were, were pushed out and, and, and it may be contributing to a little bit to the strength, but I, I doubt that it's it's any it's anything that's not sustainable, uh, just given given the historical organic growth that we saw. You know, it, during diligence, we looked at every single deal, and I think every one of them, but a couple of them, uh, they've made thirty at that time, thirty two or thirty three acquisitions. Every single one of them, except for a couple, were, were experiencing uh, you know uh, organic growth. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think, I think, you know, we feel that that, that is sustainable. Great. Okay. Thanks. Um, and then the second one is just another quick clarification on the, on the case rate you mentioned there, though, that's sort of $300 range. Now I'm just, I'm pretty sure, but I'm just making sure that's in us dollars. Correct. Absolutely, sir. <laughs> okay. just wanted to make sure. Thanks. Amin. appreciate yeah. it. I'll pass the line there. Which hopefully will be worth more here with time. <laughs> Your next question comes from Justin Keywood of Stiefel. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my questions. On acquisitions and the six LOIs uh, mentioned, and if I heard correctly, there's an opportunity to exit the year at, at half a billion in run rate. Uh, how many of those acquisition opportunities would need to close uh, to hit that run rate number? Uh, great question, Justin. Um, you know, I think. I think that, you know, a number of them are, are smaller, so I think it depends on just the mix. Uh, but, uh, but I, and the sort of the growth that we would experience from, from some of those different acquisitions. But I'll just say, you know, for the most part, we were kind of doing the sum total of all of them. Uh, I, we, we were sort of in that 15 range. I, I, I thought you heard, I, I thought I heard you say 16. So again, you know, just, just, just to kind of, tell you a little bit about our, our philosophy around capital allocation. Even though we've done these big deals, the prevailing sentiment and real thinking for capital allocation is that small is beautiful. And so as long as you can do small deals in an efficient and effective way, you can, you can build phenomenal value, um, especially if you have a very strong integration plan with great leaders who know what to do with those acquisitions. So, um, so we continue to be attracted to, uh, to, to smaller form, you know, deals, uh, obviously not too small, uh, but uh, I think what you'll see, 
us do is kind of focus on big needle movers like a MyHealth or CRH or very EBITDA-rich deals um, that are smaller in nature. Got it. And as far as uh, target areas to acquire, would these be on the existing verticals? And also, as far as geographic focus, uh, would it be U.S., Canada, or maybe abroad? Yeah, so we still, I mean, the vast majority, I think all of those opportunities today um, are in the, the, the U.S. and Canada. Some of them may have exposure to markets as well outside of those two, but they're essentially based in those markets. And yes, we are evaluating uh, opportunities outside of North America and and really want to continue to grow um, uh, both on the on on the you know sort of the clinical and the digital side uh, outside of North America. So we, we continue to evaluate those types of opportunities. Got it. Seems like quite the opportunity. Thank you for taking my questions. Thanks, Justin. Your next question comes from David Newman of Desjardins. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Hi, David. Congrats on the on the queue. Very very good quarter, and obviously the model is beginning to really uh, really flush out here. So, in in your LOIs, it's been asked a couple of different ways, but I, I, I want to ask it a, di a different way, and it, it kind of goes back to Adam's question on, um, you know, moving from maybe some DTC towards B2B and B2G, men mental health things like that, to create a little stickiness. So, the 80/20 balance that you have that, and I know virtual is also in the omni-channel, but if you look out to create more stickiness, would you look at B2B, B2G, mental health? Where is that in the sort of LOI stack today? Yeah, no, great point. Listen, we, we, as we look at the practitioner enablement platform and different patient services businesses that we'd like to have exposure to, un unquestionably, behavioral health, uh, mental health is a big opportunity. Um, there's a lot going on there. We have a lot of corporate development activity in that, in that area. Um, and uh, it, 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 it just seems that there's um, just a surge in demand and a surge in supply of, of, of service providers out there trying to meet that demand. Um, there's also this sort of speci specialty telehealth market that's, that, that's emerging that I think is really interesting. I call it narrowcast telehealth, which is this idea that, you know, you're using telehealth as a, as a uh, kind of a, a, a workflow to address um, more specific problems like, like uh, you know, female uh, sexual and reproductive health or, or men's health uh, concerns, um, and we're seeing that in sort of the explosion of of care providers out there that are going after this this area. And what's really neat about this area is that it's not just um, about you know earning uh, you know for providing some kind of consultation, but there's often robust product sales and, and strong margins related to that. So we're looking at a variety of 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 companies in that sector as well, both here in in, in, uh, in Canada and in the U.S., and and believe that um, there are great opportunities, and, and and we think that that will continue to drive the waiting. Uh, it's something that I know you look at a lot, David, which is our, our waiting in digital. It's something that we care about a lot as well, and we think that we could not only continue to to to, to drive that waiting and, and keep the company's virtual services very strong, but also enhance it with new product opportunities. And with your footprint, Hamid, I mean, I, I look at this footprint you've got. You've got quite an asset base now that you could actually evolve this into really tackling sort of the enterprise market, which obviously is SaaS-driven and really recurring revenues. You could take your omni-channel presence and really kind of leverage that into the 
enterprise or government customers. Are you looking at that at, that at all and really leveraging that asset base? You know, we, we are. Um, I think I think that uh, you're right. I mean, if you look at, you know, we, with our acquisition that we made in Quebec, that, that that's a strong um, asset that's providing private care. And then, of course, the exec health acquisition in Ottawa. Uh, we're looking at other, um, you know, sort of B2B, you know, exec health opportunities. <clears throat> we like that business. We like those businesses because, they're, they're generally quite profitable and they're very resilient and they're for the most part driving, you know, recurring revenue because they're mostly subscription type. And, and yes, we can also retrofit part of our own clinics to provide some of that care. Although it is a different competency to some degree and, and, and we'd rather, you know, buy uh, assets that are, are actually already doing that business and, and, and achieving, you know, very strong results. And then I think to your point, you start to be in a position where you, you have national foot, footprint and you can start to, to compete um, with, with all those big, you know, B2B accounts and B2G accounts. Mm-hmm. And, and I think with our, you know, physical infrastructure and strong telehealth assets, you know, we could, we could make a real dent. Uh, what, what I look at in, right now in the B2B market with these telehealth offerings and some of the other, you know, providers out there, there seems to be some energy enthusiasm in that space, but it also just seems really challenge from a profitability perspective. So um, I don't know if, if it's just the competition or, you know, just people scaling up, but it's something that we watch really carefully. We don't feel like we need to be there unless we're there in a, in a, in a profitable and sustainable manner. That's kind of the way we think. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about the codes as much, whether or not to pull the codes because it's all private pay. Precisely. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you, Hamid. Thank you, David. Ladies and gentlemen, our apologies. Due to time restraints, we will no longer be able to take any more questions. I will now turn the conference back over to Mr. Shabazi for closing remarks. Thank you very much for all the questions. We really appreciate um, everyone's engagement uh, and support of well. Um, If you kind of look at what happened this quarter, and as I mentioned, in, in, in my script, what happens next quarter with the full contribution of of um, of, of my of of, uh, of CRH Medical and and two and a half months of, of of my health. I think there is, you know, phenomenal opportunity uh, to see you know our results continue to grow, and you know I I think you're going to continue to see explosive growth, frankly, in our financial performance, and we are really really excited. Uh, I, I wish. You know, tomorrow was our Q3 conference call, so I could speak to you about that. Um, so uh, thank you. Please tune in. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think the fall is going to be a really exciting and interesting time for us. And, uh, again, uh, we, we thank you for all of your support. Uh, we're, we're grateful. Be well. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.